there's only one way to do things and it's the right way. I think it's important to know what your values are. If you know what your values are and your career can align with the values, then you're gonna love what you do. I think about fun, relationships, competence. If you can align those values with family, with work, you really can't have it all. It allows me to really be me authentically. It makes work fun, but it also makes it me. And so it's easy to be myself in doing that. If you can run our business in alignment with how you live your life, why would you ever leave? Dave Powders is one of the most honorable individuals I've ever had the good fortune of getting to know. He understands what his values are in business and in life, and he lives in alignment with those values every day. As a mentor to many, Dave sets an impeccable example of achievement in business, strong personal and professional relationships, and enjoying the process. As a close colleague and friend, Dave challenges me to be my best self. Dave Powders truly does have it all, with both a successful business and a great family. His story and lessons can inspire you to also live your life in alignment with your values. This is a long-anticipated episode with Cutco Vector's Bay Area Division Manager, Dave Powders. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is one of my all-time favorite people in the world. His name is David Powders, and uh, David's been in the Cutco business since 1998. In December, the very end of 1998, he started in what's called the January program with the company. Uh, He was a student at University of Virginia, had a chance to work under John Vroman for a while, and he graduated from University of Virginia in 2001, worked very closely with Rich Plaskin that summer as the pilot office manager out there in Virginia and then became a district manager at the end of that summer, September of 2001. Within two years, Dave was promoted to become the division coordinator in Tennessee, uh, the TKO division, which was Tennessee, Kentucky, and a little part of Ohio. And he moved out to Nashville at that point where he led that organization to some great heights over a 12-year period. In 2015, Dave had the opportunity to move to the Bay Area here in California, actually took over the role I was in previously, And we've been working very closely together ever since then. Dave has produced over $50 million in business with the company. He's, of course, a member of the Hall of Fame. He has also trained and or developed several guests of this podcast, including Rachel Richards 
and Tyler Cobble and had a significant impact on Kyle Lopes as well. So truly a guy with an illustrious Cutco career. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast, Dave. Thanks for making some time. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's about time, huh? I know you're thinking that, right? It's about right, time. Right. <laughs> it is, it is. And I've definitely been looking forward to this. Let's just get right into how you got started with Cutco, Dave. Why don't you take us back to December of 98 and tell us uh, how you started? Yeah, so it was December of 98, and I was home for winter break at my second year at the University of Virginia. And uh, my mom had said to me, you should get a job over your winter break. And the funny thing is, uh, my grades were all right, but they weren't as good as they should have been. And so I was just like, yes, mom, I'll get a job. And uh, my mom had seen a sign on the road, if you remember those, Dan. And uh, signs. Uh (laughs) She saw a sign. My mom wrote down the phone number. I called it. And uh, the next thing you know, I was in training over my winter break. And I really only had a couple weeks to work. But yeah, I was a a sign on the road. Wow. A sign on the road. And... um... And so this is right after Christmas that you started. You worked through January and went back to school. And then when you came back for the summer, you were working with John Vroman. Is that right? That is correct. And it's funny too, because I have a similar story, Dan, as you when, when you started, where uh, my parents were not thrilled when I told them I'd be selling knives for my winter break. And I got the whole, you're not good with people, you're going to fail. And I didn't have a lot of eye contact as a 19-year-old. I didn't have a lot of confidence. I used to... One summer, I worked at Manhattan Bagel, and I expected the worst from customers. Like I would get nervous before taking somebody's order because... And I'm not sure why, but that's just who I was at the time. So when I was taking somebody's order, when I was working with a client at a bagel bakery, I was a little nervous before I spoke to every single person. I expected the worst. And so uh, <laughs> I started selling Cutco. My parents gave me a hard time about it. And the rest is history. That is in stark contrast to what I think people perceive as your very gregarious personality to this day. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny that uh, who I was at nineteen is just markedly different than now. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, tell us about some of the experiences you had that you feel like helped to develop you, and some of the lessons that came out of those experiences. So uh, I credit a lot, obviously, to John Broman and Rich Plaskin. But Rich used to always say that selling Cutco was a truth serum. Like You would find out what you were good at and what you were not so good at right off the bat from doing a job like this. And so when I was new, I was terrified to ask for the order. And it's hilarious now because I talk about it at the end of the final day of training. I talk about it again in advanced training. But I was terrified of saying, Hey, do you want to get this? And so just learning how to ask for the order and how we're not going to get rejected, right? We'll get objections. But asking for the order, right? That was a big thing that I learned. You don't get what you don't ask for. I think about time management. That was another big thing that I realized. I was just bad at at managing time. As a matter of fact, my first semester at UVA, I would typically study between 10 p.m. and 2 in the morning. And anybody who knows me knows I am a morning person, okay? If my wife comes to me and she she's asking me questions at 10 p.m., I'm like, we got to table this because I'm just I'm not a, a night owl. I'm a morning person. And so my first semester, my second semester of college, I was studying when everyone else was studying just because, oh, that's what they were doing. And I didn't realize that I had a time management issue. It was like a self-management time management issue. Mm. What's great about with Vector is I realized, hey, I'm a morning person and I learned how to manage my time. I learned my energy was highest in the morning. I'm more ready to go at 7 a.m. than I am at 10 p.m. And so when I think about time management, asking for the order, 
And then the other thing that really sticks out to me in my early lessons was just understanding how much control uh, business owners have. I understand we might not be able to control everything, but it just it was funny how my dad, he was so skeptical when I started. My parents really became great supporters. But I remember my dad, this is in the summer. So I started over my winter break. But in the summer, I had, I think, five appointments one day. And my dad said, so how many appointments do you have for tomorrow? And I said, five. He said, how many do you want to do? And I said, five. He goes, why don't you get another one? Because chances are, if you have five appointments, one of them might not happen. And I remember thinking, he's totally right. And the fact that we have that information is amazing. Because how many times do we just say, oh, yeah, I had five, but I only did four. And so I just realized at an early age selling Cutco that business owners have a lot more control than they might think. Mm, That's a great insight right there. It's cool to think about how a young Cutco rep is truly a business owner right as they start working with the company and uh, has that chance to have that level of control over their schedule and their pay and their opportunity and all that kind of stuff. So pretty cool. So you mentioned John Vroman, you mentioned Rich Plaskin. Beyond those two guys, I know that you have had an opportunity to work in several regions and to build a lot of very meaningful relationships with different colleagues, different mentors, You're just really well known for connecting with people pretty much everywhere you go. And I would love for you to speak to some of the meaningful relationships you've established and what you feel you've learned from them. All right. So I'm pretty fortunate to have worked in so many different regions. I know Joe Cardillo talks about the luckiest man in the business, and I feel that. So when I was Rich Plaskin's pilot manager, Al DiLeonardo, our president and CEO, one of them, he visited Rich's office for a day. And he took me to a meal, right? I'm sitting down with Albert. And he said to me, this new assistant division manager position had just been recently created. And and I was Rich's pilot. There were other district managers in the Virginia division doing really well. And he sat down with me and he said, what do you think about the new assistant division manager role? And I said, I think it's awesome. I think it's something I, I aspire to certainly advance into that and beyond. And he said to me, I'll never forget this. He said, you know, Dave, you could be the first ADVM in Virginia. I said to him, I said, I haven't even opened my office yet. That's going to happen in a few months from now. And he said, the whole key is relationships. He said, if you're running the business the right way and you're getting the results, he said, as long as you have good relationships with people, they're going to look to you and they're going to trust what you say and they're going to heed your advice. And I will never forget that. I just felt like I was in the right place at the right time as Rich's pilot manager when Al had sat down with me and had a meal and gave me that information on relationships. It was quite prescient to say the Mm. least. Yeah. That's amazing to hear that that was something that came to you before you even opened up an office and that uh, Al was showing that foresight of uh, how you were going to be able to develop in the business, but that the key was relationships. And I like what you said about, you know, when you really build relationships, particularly when there's trust built between people, then that opens up your influence. People want to hear from you. And if you're succeeding on top of that, then of course, They really want to hear from you. And that's where you have the ultimate influence here, at least within our business, for sure. So I was fortunate in that regard with Albert. He proved right, by the way, because one year after I opened my district office, I became the first assistant division manager in the region. So Albert was right. When I think about Rich, I have so much love for Rich. Rich loved the business. And Rich loved life, too. and, And he let everybody know about it. But it was so easy to see. Rich always talked about the things that he was doing in and out of the business. And it was easy as somebody who was training to run an office or going through our leadership academy program, it was easy to see the, the life that Rich had. And I wanted that life. So 
when I became a district manager, one of my goals was to be a DVM. I just, I wanted that life. And, and Rich has always been just a huge mentor to me. Mm-hmm. I think about Amar Deve. He was my region manager in the Eastern region for a long period of time. Uh, there's a lot of stuff when I think about Amar and I just get this big smile on my face. But one of them is the culture of growth he created. I can't remember a, a division meeting or a conference where we didn't have a book that he had recently read and said, you got to read this. There's so many great insights. And so Amar was great at creating a, a culture of growth and then also financial info. So I know Mike Ambrosino recently talked about just what is and what is not taught in our current education system. But I learned all my financial, basically my financial acumen, I can credit all of all of that for the most part to vector people and not even my parents. And my parents are both retired. They were great savers. And we subscribed to the same stuff. As a matter of fact, there was a, uh, a January trip that I was just getting ready to go on. It was uh, somewhere in the Caribbean. And I was on the phone with my dad. And he was, uh, I had just read a book by Paul Merriman, a financial book given to me by Amar. And I said to dad, I said, I just read this great book. You ever heard of Paul Merriman? And my dad said, I used to listen to that guy's radio show when we lived in Oklahoma. (laughs) And I'm like, you could have taught me this stuff, right? My dad, my dad, when it comes to finances, we're pretty much on the same wavelength. And where did I learn it all? I love my parents. Don't get me wrong. But money is it's just a taboo subject in so many households. And I learned it from Amar. And that really hit me that I was pretty grateful, obviously, for Amar, but I could have gotten it much, much earlier. And I'm not the only one with a story like that. Yeah. Growing up with Rich and Amar as your two key initial mentors in the business, like that's an awesome spot to get a financial education because I know both of those guys have a great reputation for just being really smart financially and, and uh, understanding how to save and accumulate and you know, all those kinds of things. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's also interesting how, uh, how driven Amar was. I remember Amar was having a conversation with Andrew Smallwood about it was time management and it was just, just the way Amar looks at his calendar. To this day, I still remember this, but Amar told Andrew, when Andrew said, how do you plan your day? And Amar just says, what do I want? That's how I attack every day and every week. What do I want? And he's just so clear on his goals. And uh, I'll never forget that. When, when Every Monday when I sit down and I, I do planning, hey, what do I want? When I think about Scott Dennis, Scott, one of the biggest things I, I took from Scott was being in the know as a leader. So instead of finding something out at the end of the week, it was being able to have your finger on the pulse of the business during the week. So instead of something happening and at the end of the week going, oh, how did that happen? There's still time to course correct or to take it higher. Right. And uh, that was obviously huge. That's just a great concept for anyone in any business, right? It's just understanding how things are unfolding as they're unfolding and having metrics that you can be looking at to give you a gauge of, of how you're doing. And, and the, the more frequently that we measure those things, the easier it is for us to shift gears and to be able to, you know, as you said, make the course corrections to help you get to where you want to be versus what a lot of people do, which is like, they'll set a goal, they'll go work for a year or whatever it might be. And at the end of that year, they'll go, Oh, how did I do? Oh, I didn't hit my goal. Oh no. Well, let me set some new goals for next year that I won't hit again. Right. And that's usually how a lot of people operate, you know, and Scott definitely is a master of being able to craft his goals while in the midst of them. And that's a great lesson as well. After the Eastern region, I was in the Midwest region and I had an opportunity to work closely with Jeff Bry. And Jeff is the consummate professional. One thing that I really took from Jeff, when we would have region calls, even when we would have DVM calls, 
when I grew up in the business, it was not uncommon to have, if there were a call scheduled at two o'clock at 2.05, that's when the, the call would really begin after five minutes of who's on, who's not on, how are you doing, sort of stuff like that. And what I took from Jeff was if there were a call at two o'clock, there might be pleasantries exchanged between two and 2.01. One minute after, he would start. And instead of people showing up five minutes after the fact, after the call should have started, Jeff would just, we knew that, okay, if there was a call at two o'clock, you should be on by two o'clock because it's going to start at 201. Um, hmm. Something else that I got from Jeff was please and thank you. Now, this may seem trivial, but when I used to reach out to people, whether it was people in Olean, whether it was region staff, if I were asking for things, I'm not sure how many times I ever said please or thank you. And I remember hearing Jeff say that and it really hit me hard. And I just had to consider is that something that I do? And I realized it wasn't. And so ever since I heard Jeff say that, which is probably six years ago, if I ever make a request to anyone for anything, I'm going to say please, and I'm going to say thank you. And it might be a little thing, but I can tell you that there are people that who get a lot of requests, whether it's region staff, whether it's people in Olean, and it matters. And so I wasn't perfect with this, but I'll, I'll never forget that little thing from Jeff. Yeah, it is a little thing, as you said. But it's a little thing that establishes in people a feeling of who you are as an individual and how people view you and who you are plays a huge role in how much influence you have with them and, you know, the, the relationships that you build. And it's one of those small things, Dave, that you do right that builds that good feeling around who you are. So that's definitely something that I've observed about you that I could say. That's cool. One other thing from Jeff Bry is the importance of every conversation. Every conversation really does matter. My first ever president's banquet, which was, this would have been January of 02. So this would have been Jeff's last president's banquet as a DVM because he had just gotten promoted. So he's been to several since, obviously. But I was the newest guy on the, maybe in the company in terms of, I, I might have been the lowest actually in career sales. Because I had only, I was a, a pilot manager that summer. And then that fall, you know, we did $100,000 or whatever. And we were in the Bellagio and we're all wearing tuxedos. And this guy, Jeff Fry, comes over to me. We're in the Bellagio and they have this cigar bar. And he just said to me, I'll never forget this. He just said, uh, You a cigar guy? And I end up with, again, right place at the right time. But that was the first time I ever spoke to Jeff. And the kicker is Danny Lewis was Jeff's pilot that summer. I was Rich's pilot that summer. We went head to head. I think they beat us for the summer and we got them for the year. But to be able to sit down with Jeff and get to know him. And then when I found out that I was being transferred to the Midwest, I'm like, I get to work with Jeff Cry. That's great yeah. because he just, he really worked hard on relationships. I think that we've all heard having a conversation with John Kane or with Bruce, right? That you feel like you're the only person in the room. But I think uh, I'd put Jeff Cry in there with that as well. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So many key colleagues and mentors, Dave. Yeah. And, and hey, I, I haven't even gotten to the Western region yet. By the way, funny story. About two weeks ago, Alexandra Perlman reached out to me and she told me about a pivotal conversation that she had had with me as a DMC. And she wasn't even in my division. She was in Trey Ketchum's. But that was one of the things I prided myself on was just trying to meet people at events and get to know them. And you know, that's I'm trying to take what Albert taught me about relationships and she reached out to me a couple weeks ago to thank me for a conversation that we probably had 10 years ago, and it just blew me away. So that was really cool. There's probably a lot of those 
people out there, Dave, that would look at a conversation with you as having been really instrumental to them because you really exhibit that idea you shared from Jeff that every conversation matters, right? And really, really bringing full engagement to each conversation that you're having. That's something that uh, you definitely do. Appreciate that. All right, let's move to the Western region. Dan, this is you. One of the biggest things that I've taken from you since I've been here is the idea of strong beliefs, but loosely held. And this has played out this summer, summer of 2020, the pandemic summer, it's played out in so many different ways. So for example, I like to think I'm a good trainer, right? I like to think I'm a great trainer of representatives, leadership academy, all that stuff. And this summer, three of our top Cutco sales professionals became managers. So Carlo Cipollina, Ian Bartolome, Kyle Lopes. And they would bring things to me, basically after every training that I would run for the division, they, they would say, hey, what about doing this? Or what about doing that? And at first, I just wanted to resist. At first, I, I'm thinking to myself, don't mess with my training. I'm a great trainer. But, but to just sit back and say, all right, let me think about what these guys are saying. And what's interesting is, in almost every single case that they would bring something to me, after considering it, I would say, I think they're right. And we would make the change. Mm-hmm. And, and so we made tweaks on the fly, and it rocked. And I, I credit with them for coming to me. But it's that, that idea of strong beliefs loosely held that you've ingrained in us that uh, it proved to be quite important this summer. Yeah. Well, you know, thank you for mentioning that. To be fair, that is a quote from Mark Andreessen, who is one of the famous venture capitalists here in Silicon Valley. And that's where that originated, at least. And, and what I think is important about that idea is that as leaders, we should create an environment where people are willing to speak up, where people are willing to say what they think, where people are willing to call you out even if they feel like you know, it's something that you can improve. And I've always been willing to speak my beliefs, whether it's uh, you know, upwards towards somebody that I feel like uh, could uh, amend something that they're doing or, or just outwards sharing what I think about what's happening. And I've been wrong many, many, many times. I've been wrong a lot this year. And because we create that environment where people can have dialogue, we're able to bring the best ideas to the front. Ideas have a forum for being shared and discussed, and they're able to come out. So I think that's a big part of being able to have that principle take hold in your organization. That's cool. Final one I've got to mention is uh, it's from Bruce. And something that Bruce has said to me and many others, it's uh, if you can run our business in alignment with how you live your life, why would you ever leave? And so something that I've really taken from Bruce is the concept of signature experiences, right? Whether it could be vector travel and, and doing these signature experiences, and we've had a bunch of them. But uh, the other thing is searching out the signature experiences. So I think it's pretty cool to be at a business where you could sit down with another vector manager and they say, hey, what's the number one dream that you want to accomplish from your dreams list? And I think about some of the things that Kathleen and I have been so fortunate to be able to do. When we were pregnant with Violet, so this goes back to Thanksgiving of 2012, our number one dream that year was to see the Northern Lights. And instead of doing Thanksgiving with family, we planned a trip to Alaska and we stayed in a place with that that has this huge window on the wall that faces north, and you know it was negative ten degrees, but it was worth it because we had four amazing nights seeing the the northern lights. I think about four months later than after that, when we went to Budapest, uh, prior to that, we went to Torino, 
And one of my main dreams was to snowboard in the Alps. And Kathleen's a much better snowboarder than I am, but she was pregnant with Violet. And so to be able to knock that off the list, to think about, we went to Australia in the fall of 2016 for nine days. So how cool is that? And now soon we're going to be able to go back there on the national trip. But then another signature experience, and this is really cool because this idea of signature experience has been ingrained, not just in, in me, I guess, but in our family. When UVA got to the national title game, Kathleen just looked at me after we won the, uh, I guess, after we won the, the semifinal game. And she goes, you have to go. <laughs> I said, you're right. I have to go. It was the coolest impromptu college reunion of my life. Yeah, I think I remember texting you something of the same ilk there uh, that uh, you got to get out to that game. And uh, that's awesome that you went. So and you had those signature experiences. I love what you said from Bruce about running the business in alignment with your life. That's just a great insight that uh, people can ponder and think about how they might be able to apply. You've shared some cool moments from your life right here in the last few minutes. How about some other transformational moments along the way that uh, really helped to make your career? Yes. So a couple of them actually predate my career, but they're important to note about me, I suppose. One of them is my dad was military. And so every four or five years, we'd end up moving. And after my sophomore year of high school, we moved from Southeastern Virginia to uh, basically to South Florida. And our moving van was stolen. Everything we owned was stolen. And so what happened was, and I think there were something like eight stolen that week and 70 stolen that summer. It was not a, a one-time thing. And so we get down to South Florida, the day our moving van is supposed to show up, it doesn't show up. And then we find it, it's turned up in a warehouse, I don't know, five days later or something. And then we realize, all right, we're not getting anything. And then my dad found out that we weren't insured. So I remember we were out at dinner or something, and we get all this bad news. And uh, my dad just said, we have our health, we have each other, it's just stuff anyway. And I just remember the way my dad handled that, mm. thinking, all right, I guess, I guess nothing really is a big deal. And so that really shaped my positive mental attitude, right? I tend to, when, whenever people talk about two thirds of people's thoughts are negative, maybe in an average person, but I, I don't think someone has to be that way, right? So that, right. that really affected me and, and just my outlook. Something else, my senior year of high school, I was, uh, I guess I, I played varsity baseball. This is my third year playing varsity. And uh, I was not chosen as a team captain. And that really sat with me because I was pretty good. And I just realized, okay, I must not be as vocal or maybe it's a confidence thing. And I, I just really remember thinking in that moment that there are things that I can do to be a better leader. And I don't know what they are yet, but I want to learn them. And that's one of the reasons I think I was so excited to sell Cutco is I wanted to gain those skills. Another, I suppose, transformational moment would have been when I was a branch manager. So uh, this was my second summer in the business. But I, we didn't have a great start to the summer. We did about $10,000 in May, $20,000 in June. And then the first week of July, we had our first 10K week. And uh, it was July 4th. And I remember Rich called me from a... I think he was at a barbecue. He called me and uh, he, he said, Hey, tell me what happened. And I vividly remember saying to Rich, I said, I just made the decision. I wasn't going to let Vector beat me. And Rich laughed. And I said, What's so funny? He goes, Vector doesn't beat you. He said, It's you beating yourself. Or there are things that you're in control of that you're probably not doing the right way. And he was right. 
I stopped when, when somebody would say, Hey, I'm just not going to show up to a team meeting, or I'm not going to go to a phone jam that I said I was going to go to early in the summer, everything was okay, okay, okay. And then I started to have conversations about, Hey, I can't force you to but your success to me is mandatory. And if it's important to you, you should be here. Here's why. And I just started having those conversations with people. And our team, our July and August was really good. And it was just, it was just a really decision that I had made about treating people the right way and making sure that they knew their success was important to me. Mm, mm. That's such a good insight for anybody running a vector office, right? It's just, there's always going to be times where you feel like the job or whatever you want to call it is defeating you somehow because you're not hitting a goal or somebody else is kicking your butt or whatever it might be. These things will always be there. And just bringing the attention and energy back to, are you giving the best to the people you have? Are you bringing your A game every day? Right? What are the things that are in your control? All of those things are what help take people past that. And that's a really valuable insight for sure. I think a, a couple more just uh, soft on people, hard on results. And then that's become in an appreciative way, thanks to your teaching and, and John Berghoff. And as soon as I was soft on people, but hard on results, I think some people will say, oh, to be an effective leader, you've got to be you know, mean and hard on people. But you can be soft on people, but tough on results. And you can do it in an appreciative way. And that started getting people to not just show up to things because they, they were supposed to, but they wanted to. They knew they were going to get value. And the final thing is something going back to Amar. It was a very simple. It's two words. Celebrate struggle. Amar would always talk to us about celebrating struggle. And when things are hard, it's good because it's forcing you to learn and grow. And I think about when Violet turned four, and now she's obviously she just recently turned seven, but we got her a pedal bike. And I remember this vividly that she was pretty good on a on a balance bike, but when we gave her the pedal bike for her fourth birthday, she would she would get on it and then fall, get on it and fall. And she looked at me and she said, Daddy, do I have to do this right now? And I said, No, you don't at all. However, you can do this. You can figure this out. I said, you've got to learn to celebrate struggle. When things are hard, you keep going, you figure it out. And within 10 minutes, she was riding that bike right around our neighborhood faster than I can run. And I like to run. And it was one of the proudest moments of my life. Hearing her laugh while she was riding, it reminds me of watching Steph Curry play basketball. He plays with joy, right? And watching Violet ride her bike like that, that was, a, that was just an awesome moment. Oh, love that one, Dave. That is a great one. And certainly celebrate struggle is a great mantra to share with kids for sure. That's one I know I've discussed it in, at some level and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, rephrase it into those precise words now. So that's a cool one. You referenced Violet. I think it'd be fitting for us to talk about your family and your kids, Dave. For anyone that doesn't know Dave, uh, Dave's married. Uh, his wife's Kathleen. They have three children. Violet, as Dave referenced, just turned seven not too long ago. Maeve, their second daughter, is three and a half. Oh, I, I think precisely three and a half, like right around now. Right. And then uh, Orion, their third child, their first boy, is eight months old. Tell us, Dave, a little bit about uh, becoming a dad and just how that has changed you. Yeah, it's so many things. I was even thinking about this recently, just the importance of patience. Going back to celebrate struggle, I remember uh, Maeve, there, there are times where she'll say, Daddy, can you put on my shoes? And I know she can put them on. And so I can either put them on and she doesn't learn anything, or I can talk to her about how I've seen her do it. And it might be hard, but you got to celebrate struggle. And I'm not always perfect with that. But if I can just remain patient and let her figure it out, it's funny because now 
she'll just put her shoes on and go. But I think that has to do with Kathleen and me being patient and making sure, since she knows how to do it, letting her do it. So patience has been important. I think about this, just the importance of schedule and how the schedule really matters now. I think about the summer Kathleen and I got married, so 10 years ago, I really let go of things in our office, but we had such competent people running those day-to-day operations that we didn't miss a beat. And Andrew Smallwood, that when he that was when he was my my pilot manager for the second summer. So I think schedule became really important after getting married and obviously having kids that I want to be home six nights a week. I think about our team meeting and if there's training in a team meeting, Kathleen knows, all right, that night I'll be doing the things I've got to do office-wise, business-wise. But it's nice to be able to say six nights a week, my kids know I'll, I'll be at dinner with them. And, and I want them to see that I love what I do. I want them to see that I work hard because I love what I do. But I also want them to know I'm going to be home for bedtime because that matters too. Violet even, she's reading everything now and she saw something pop up on my phone a couple of days ago and it just said, it's an alarm that goes off uh, or a reminder at 5.30 p.m. And it just says, say goodnight to the kids. And it's funny because I set that for, I probably set that, I don't know, a couple years ago in the fall when there might be a night or two that, will I be able to, to get home for bedtime? And now, obviously, with the pandemic, it's totally different. So I never turned the reminder off. So Violet and I had a good laugh about that. Oh, that's cool. That 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 idea of you know the schedule matters ties into the concept you shared from Bruce about just running your business in alignment with your life, right? And putting in the big rocks first. Whatever is most important gets planned in the schedule first, and then the other stuff all kind of fits in all around that. So that's cool. That's cool. Tell me more about what you've learned about parenting, Dave. All right. So at a front row dad's retreat, I remember hearing something. Uh, I'm pretty sure we were both there because we've been at basically the same ones uh, for the most part. Um, but it was it was the importance of taking a deep breath to increase your IQ. Right when things are uh, happening around you and your 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 heart rate's going up, your blood pressure is boiling. Uh, just the importance of when when you can see it happening and and you're aware of your emotions, taking a a deep breath or a few deep breaths so that your IQ goes up so that you can respond the way you want versus reacting. Am I perfect with this? No, I don't think anyone is, but I've gotten a lot better with that. I think about something Adam Stock has said, your calendar reflects your priorities. And Mm -hmm. um, Isaac Tolpin even talked about this as well, but planning family dinner conversations, planning things out for Kathleen, for the kids, not just work, but but we do a lot of planning from a business standpoint. And are we doing, you know, planning for the family? Are we doing planning for the kids? So that's been huge. I think about being aligned with Kathleen on parenting style and what we say yes to. So for example, it's okay to say, hey, that's a great question. I don't know. You know, mommy and I are going to talk about it. And so just being aligned with her. I also think something that I've learned is that there are resources that are out there. There are podcasts to listen to, books to read, and it, it shouldn't be business all the time. And I, I've been guilty of that in the past where I'd be reading business book after business book and picking up a parenting book or picking up... It's funny, if you look at our bookshelf at home, Kathleen has... She's read a lot of the parenting books and a lot of... And there are certain books that will go back to certain chapters uh, <laughs> to have siblings versus rivals. That's an interesting idea, right? Siblings who get along and just knowing there's resources that are out there. And then something else that I've learned, I think, is that Vector is such an amazing platform to learn leadership skills, just to help somebody become a better husband, wife, parent. 
And then the final thing is uh, something that has really become a, a game changer recently is I try to, if I were to look at my phone and my wife is not one of the most 10 recent texts, like if you look at your phone, you can see, all right, who are the, my most recent texts? If I look and Kathleen isn't in one of those 10, then I'll shoot her a text. It's just an easy thing to do before the day gets away and I'm coming home or I'm finished working and I, I haven't interacted with Kathleen. And so it's an easy thing to do, but it's basically, I just look at my phone whenever, whenever I am looking at my phone and I'm, I happen to be looking at texts. Oh, I, she's fallen off the screen. Let me, let me shoot a, a text to her and see, you know, how her day is going, how the kids are doing. Right. And I think that's helped with having a just growing, healthy marriage, which in and of itself is something we've learned from parenting, the importance of having a healthy, growing marriage, because that makes everything else easier. Yeah. So many good insights right there, Dave. Thank you for sharing all that. That was really great. Of course, I love hearing you say, talk about how Vector prepares us for a lot of the different other elements and roles of life. There's no way, of course, that being a Vector manager can prepare you for everything that is involved with being a parent. But I do feel like in some ways that I've had these thousands and thousands of kids over the years in a Vector sense that have enabled me to learn a lot of things that are important about dealing with children and dealing with my own children and influencing them and connecting with them and those sorts of things. And so it's cool to hear you say that and, and to talk about that there's resources and that you and Kathleen have this effort to learn and that you're reading books, right? Not just business books, but life books and parenting books and, and all that kind of stuff. Like Dave, most people don't read any books. And the fact that you're reading a diversity of books on a diversity of topics is extremely important. And it's a big part of why you've developed into such an amazing human being that you are, that I think everybody views you to be, because you're constantly learning and you're constantly growing. And the reality is most people are reading the news and crappy stuff that they're just putting garbage into their, into their head all the time, and they're not learning but you're making a, a concerted effort to constantly be learning. And I know that as a close colleague of yours, that challenges me to always want to be able to, to learn and to be able to have things to share and just things to talk about with you and things we can discuss. And being able to go to the front row dad's retreats with you has definitely been a, a, a real highlight of my last few years. You are known by a lot of people as a very principled person with you know, tr really impeccable integrity. And I would love to just get into your head a little bit on what are some of your values in that regard? Yeah, that's a good question. Integrity, I mean, I think just understanding the importance of you do what you say you're going to do. When I left the Midwest region, this is uh, August of 15 to move to the West. At the end of that summer, obviously, I sit down with all of the top people from the summer to interview them and talk about the future and talk about what their desires are with Vector, without Vector, right? Just seeing where they want to go, what they want to do. And I've just learned there's, there's only one way to do things. And so I remember talking to Jeff Bry at the end of the tour, and I'd given him all this information on all the people. And he just he said to me, you know, I'm really impressed that you just gave that tour 100% when clearly you're leaving. And I just remember saying, number one, I want to turn things over the right way. But number two, there's only one way to do things. And I really believe that, right? Whether there's one person in training, I think about Silas Moa, he was in training, a one person training. The guy's now at almost 30,000 in sales. And he was, uh, I, I think some people, oh yeah, there's one person in training. Let me turn it over to someone else who's not as qualified to run training. And that's just doesn't make sense to me. So there, I guess my first point is there's only one way to do things and it's, it's the right way. 
all you have, okay, it's your word, plain and simple. It's okay not to be perfect, but just acknowledge it, apologize for it, and be genuine about it. That's what I find. When you make mistakes, just apologizing for it and uh, asking how you can do things better in the future, people really, that humility, it matters. So I think it's important to know what your values are. And we've already discussed this a little bit, but if you can align those values with family, with work, right, you, you really can't have it all. Amar used to always say this, that there's two main decisions you have to get uh, right in life, your career and your spouse. And if you get those right, uh, you're going to have an amazing life. And if you get one of the two, it's, it can still be good. And if you go 0 for 2, you know, better luck next life. And so there was a book that I was given. I don't know if this was by Amar, Scott, Jeff Gamboa. I can't remember, but it's by Stan Slap. And the book is called Bury My Heart at Conference Room B. And the whole premise of this book is if you know what your values are and your career can align with the values, then you're going to love what you do. That's basically the crux of the whole book. And so he talks about there's a list of, I don't know if it's 50 values, 100 values, and you're supposed to get it down to 10. And there's plenty of different, there's websites that you can even do this with, right? You go from 100 to, to 10 and then to five. And then ultimately you have to, you have to pick three. And the three after reading the book for me, it was fun. It was relationships and it was competence and competence. It's similar to achievement, but it's the ability of there's always more that you can achieve. And it's kind of fun to do what you've never done. And so to be able to run the business authentically, what's great about it is when you can do something that aligns with who you are, in our business, development naturally happens. I mean, I really do have fun every single day. I try not to take myself too seriously. I love trying to beat what we've never done before, right? I, uh, Carson and Randy, Carson's my division office manager and Randy's my sales manager. I sent those guys uh, a list of here are our best weeks that that I've ever had, whether it was Walnut Creek, Nashville, Virginia Beach, right? Here, here are the biggest weeks of my career. And it's cool to, it's like, all right, how many can we, can we knock out this summer? How many can we get into the top 30 of all time? I remember hearing John Wasserman talk about something similar to keep things fresh. And it was, uh, he had realized, hey, we've never had a 10K fast starter during in the fall or the spring. We've never had a 25K fast starter. And then he knocked them both out because it was just something that, that he was focused on, right? So mm -hmm. I think about fun, relationships, competence. And those are things I, I actually look at before I run training, whenever I'm running training. But it just, it allows me to really be me authentically. And I feel like that it makes work fun, but it also makes it me. And so it's easy to be myself in doing that. Yeah. Um, I also think about a gas, which you taught us, actually giving a shit, right? When talking to people and curiosity from the great Larry Manley, John Broman talking, he's become such a great questionnaire, right? He asks such great questions and uh, trying to go three levels deep, which he's amazing at. And I feel like I, I have a lot to learn there, but I just try to be curious and I try to care. And by doing that, obviously people can tell. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Those three core values you shared, fun, relationships, competence. Like if somebody really knew you or for anybody who's listening that does really know you, those in a lot of ways sum up a lot of, you know, who you are. Like you're always somebody who is enjoyable to be around. That's one thing for sure that I think anybody can recognize whether it's, a, you know, at a the great moments or the not as great moments, right? You're enjoying yourself. You're choosing to look at the positives and enjoy yourself in the moment, no matter what. And that's cool. 
And then obviously you're very competent in the vector business and at things you do. You want to be good at what you do, uh, whether it's being a dad and husband or or being a part of the vector business or the other things that you do. And then uh, relationships and the way that you invest yourself into the people around you, the care that you show for the people around you. You exhibit that aghast principle and the curiosity that you referenced from Larry Manley. Those are great, great concepts. I thought about as you were speaking here on these values and integrity, that there's an old Jim Rohnism where he says, everything affects everything else, right? And it's like, I thought of this when you said there's only one way to do things, right? It's like the integrity that you show in dealing with people and you're in, in every setting affects your whole life. It affects how you develop people in the business. It affects your relationships. It affects how you feel. There's so much that is built on just the way that you carry yourself on a day-to-day basis. And I also liked where you talked about apologizing or owning your mistakes. When a leader is willing to own their mistakes, it says a lot of things to the people they're working with. One thing it says to people is that it's okay to make mistakes, right? And, and people are more willing to try things and to put themselves in the arena when they know that it's okay if they're going to make some mistakes now and then. I think that's an important parenting principle as well. But what it also says as a leader is that you have some degree of humility as a leader, and you're willing to own up to that and apologize uh, You know, at those times where you make that mistake. And that also says a lot when you're building relationships with people. So cool stuff there, Dave. Yeah. And I think just to add one thing, it's those values, right? It's not just in the business world, but it's everywhere. It's all the time. It's at home, right? So like my kids know that I there are so many times where we're, we're playing around and we're just having fun. And to be who you are at work... In, in other words, instead of having, oh, uh, this person is in work mode, this person's in family mode. It's, it's nice to not have to... When you can be yourself all the time, it really does make life pretty awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well... Dave, the uh, podcast is about changing lives. And as we finish up this conversation today, I'm interested as to hear your take on your future and how you aspire to change people's lives through what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, look, it's easy to be excited for our division, the Bay Area division right now with what Carlo, Kyle, John Ross, Richard, Ian, Carson, Randy. I mean, we have such a great team and we're growing like crazy and it's going to be really exciting what happens these next few years. But if I had to zoom out, this is what I would tell you. A friend of mine once said that he wanted to leave a better world to his kids. And what I've realized by growing people, I mean, that's really what we do in Cutco, right? We equip people with skills and they can use those skills to do whatever they want in the future. But what I've realized is by teaching Cutco sales reps what we teach them, and they will eventually have kids and they will be teaching their kids to celebrate struggle and we will leave better kids to the world. And that is a ripple effect that I get excited about. I, I think about, there's an, uh, an old rep of mine, his name's Nate. He's three years younger than me at UVA and he started selling Cutco uh, when I was his pilot manager in Rich's office. And I remember when Nate and his wife had their first kid, he sent me a message saying, Dave, you're not going to believe this. I'm teaching my kid stuff that you taught me 15 years ago. And I just thought to myself, that's why I do what I do, right? It's to leave better kids to the world. So again, that's a ripple effect I get excited about. 
Yeah, well, you're a great role model, Dave, for everyone in the Bay Area Division and for everyone anywhere who gets to work with you and be around you. I really appreciated hearing the story from your dad from when your stuff was stolen. I had never heard that before from you. And the positive mental attitude that you observed in your dad, it was really insightful in me to understanding how your positive mental attitude has been shaped because you just totally exhibit that every single day, everywhere you go. It's one of the really defining values of you. When I think about a word that describes you, the word quality comes to my mind because you are a quality person in the vector business. Of course, you're very good at what you do. You're a great leader, tons of success, hall of famer, your quality in your personal life as well. And I think everybody admires you for that level of quality that you bring. And uh, I'm just grateful to be able to have you as a captain on my team. I know you miss being a captain on that baseball team, but uh, you're a captain here on the team that we're a part of. And I'm grateful for that and thankful that you made time for the podcast, Dave. Thanks, Dan. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. Awesome. David Powders, everyone. So many great insights in that conversation, starting with when he quoted Rich Plaskin as having said that selling Cutco is a truth serum. There's so many valuable life insights that one gains through working in a job like selling Cutco that there are so many things that are revealed about people in terms of their skill level and their opportunities. And I'm just grateful to have had a chance to begin having those things revealed for me at age 17 years old. And of course, uh, Dave was pretty young when he started as well. Dave had so many key mentors and great colleagues that he talked about that helped shape his life and career. And I just like where he kind of packaged all that together and said that, you know, he wakes up and he thinks about each day, what do I want? right? What do I want in my life? What are the things I want more of? What am I trying to attract into my life? And he has this extremely laser focus on what is positive and energizing. And that that's one of the things that I think helps Dave live with such enthusiasm, helps make him such a positive influence on so many other people. Great insights on parenting he shared. Your calendar reflects your priorities right? Teaching kids to celebrate the struggles that he got from Amar Dave. I really like where Dave said there's only one way to do things. And he was talking about the importance of integrity, both in business and personally. His three core values of fun, relationships, and competence, really good insight, something to ponder for anyone listening to this podcast to think about what are your core values, core principles that you stand for that are really important to you. And uh, Dave is inspired to leave a better world to his kids. And that is something that I share with Dave is just the idea that, you know, we are all here to add value to the world, to contribute something to the world, to contribute our gifts, our strengths. That's how we can ultimately change the most lives is by making the world a bigger and better place for all people that we touch and that we reach with our influence. And I hope that's something that all of you can take to heart. Have a fantastic rest of your day, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. 
You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.